Triple M rocks the NRL 24-7 through the Triple M app. Thanks to Ream. Steady, hot and strong. Install a Ream. So many great moments. Oh, here we go. So many thrills. Oh, hang on. So many spills. And we're underway. Triple M is proud to present... MG's Rugby League Rundown. Yeah, MG's Rugby League Rundown prelim final week. Liam Flanagan here as always. The Wild Panther nowhere to be seen. He's that excited about the Panthers possibly getting into another grand final. He said, I need a week off. I need time to collect my thoughts. He needs time to put together the MG's patented paper test for the grand final. So we have brought in a bloke who knows exactly what's required to win a premiership in the NRL. He is one of the greats, the minister for attack. They used to call him in his days, and he's a beloved <laughs> member of the Triple M NRL family. Mr. Ryan Girdle, hello, Gerds. Hello, Liam. Yeah, and we're almost there, and he just couldn't make it. Huh? Like we're, we're on the final <laughs> bend. We're in the, almost in the straight, and the big fella's fallen over. He's taken a tumble. He hasn't fallen over. He's intentionally jumped off the horse. <laughs> he's, taken, well, we, he's taken a little week off. Well, everyone is a little bit excited out west. Liam, because don't forget last year, even though we won the premiership, it was all done up north. So no one exactly. really got to share in the joy. Um, so, yeah, the next couple of weekends, we saw the response uh, two weeks ago out there at Bluebet Stadium when Penrith took on the Eels and the amount of people that flocked to that one. And then yeah, now they, they really get an opportunity uh, this weekend against um, the South Sydney side to get to Acor Arena. It's a prelim final, and then if they get through that, well, then, yeah, there'll be a, another grand final for the Panthers and one that their fans will be able to get to in numbers. Before we look ahead to the prelim and, and project a grand final mm-hmm. matchup, let's talk about the teams that we said goodbye to uh, last weekend. The Raiders yeah. went out with a whimper. It's been an incredible run to get to where they did last weekend in that 40-4 to loss against the Eels, but something of it, you felt like they'd, they'd spent the petrol tickets. Yeah, they've done a lot of travel over the sort of last few weeks. Uh, a lot they've been up to sort of Sydney, and then they'd uh, had a pretty tough draw. And then they went down for that clash in Melbourne, and emotionally and physically, that obviously looked like it took a fair bit out of them. Now, I thought they actually started the game quite well um, against Parramatta. I mean, they were sort of dominant through the middle. They got a, a really um, informed pack at the moment. I thought on the back of that, they were really making some inroads. But yeah, just Parramatta just just finally clicked into gear. Um, some offloads out of their own end just started sort of um, really fatiguing the middle of the Raiders and it looked like they just had sort of no gas left in the tank and uh, end up you know running out convincing winners but decent season uh, for the Raiders after what was I think they were two and eight uh, to start the season everyone was talking about what's happened to Canberra and Ricky's done a wonderful job, not just to get the guys, you know, into that situation, but also to overcome all the noise um, externally that we heard throughout the year and uh, fair changeover of players and so forth. So, and we know Ricky had his issues um, in some of the press conferences and away from the game as well, uh, as he generally does. Um, but yeah, to pull them all together the way that he did and, and get them to where uh, they ended up finishing, I, I think they can be happy with their season. I'm just having a look because Joe Tarpany, as you mentioned, he is, MG's declared him the best front rower in the game right now. He's just the form he's in. I'm just checking his, his contract situation. He's off contract at the end of next year. So he will be somebody that come November 1, surely it, it would be negligent if, if some clubs out there didn't at least test his resolve to stay with the Raiders. Oh, 100%, Liam. And, and you know, with Papa Lee at the moment too, is sort of at the back end of his career. 
um, yeah, certainly going to get some interest. Uh, really mm. important position. You know, you you got your Hargreaves, you got your your Fisher Harrises. You have a look at all the teams that have sort of been dominant at the back end of the season into the finals. Junibala, uh, they've yeah. got a, Yeah, they've got a they've got a, a genuine you know superstar in their in their front row, and he's that. He ticks that box. He's uh, one of the best in the game, and he'll attract a lot of interest. And I'm sure that the Raiders will be sorting everything to make sure that they make him nice and comfortable in the nation's capital for a while. In the other game, though, I mean, I think a lot of people probably had the Rabbitohs winning this game, 38-12, to they defeated the Sharks. But I guess it's more of a question about how do we judge the Sharks' season now? Because they finished second, first-year coach Craig Fitzgibbon, a lot of excitement about this run that they went on, and then it's a, a straight sets exit from the final. Yeah, you'd be disappointed and you, you only ever get honesty with Fitzy. So I think he, he let everyone know how he was feeling after the game. It wasn't good enough by the Sharks. And I guess that was the concern, you know, with their – and I know the Shark fans don't want to hear about it, but they had a really light run in. They only played, I think, nine out of the uh, the, the top eight that finished uh, higher up in the competition. And uh, amongst those, they only had three or four wins. So um, their record against quality teams throughout the season was there for everyone to see. And look – they did a good job, um, you know, getting to where they did on, on the on the ladder. But then on the back of that run, I think it was detrimental. They weren't conditioned the way that they probably needed to be for semi-final football. I think we saw that with the Cowboys uh, game over there at, um, at Shark Park. And then, you know, they just came up against a side that just know how to get things done. And especially defensively, like the, the South City, everyone talks about their left side attack. Their defence against Cronulla the other day in the early stages they just turned them away, turned them away. And, and the Sharks didn't know where to go. You know, they hadn't had those sort of contests where they just needed to play it in sort of a certain intensity for 80 minutes and were willing to win the game in the 80th minute and only maybe allow 14 or 16 points in like in a finals game. So um, they were never going to outscore South Sydney. They had to outdefend South Sydney and they just didn't have it in them, unfortunately. What are they missing? Obviously, I mean, Craig Fitzgibbon gets another preseason with this with this group of players, and and clearly the system is effective, especially in the regular season. But are they missing something from a personnel perspective, or do they just need just, another another preseason together to to further improve? Yeah, just conditioning, you know. I think they've got the talent there, and just guys that now understand and look at those key positions. You know, Braley hasn't played you know a lot of finals football. Mm. Moylan. Has- played. Hines hasn't sort of played in those key positions. Kennedy, Kennedy hasn't played. Yep. So, you know, all those guys had two cracks at it. They kind of, they, they, they obviously lick in their wounds, but they now understand that when they get the finals, you know, they need to make sure that they're ready to sort of raise the bar. And we saw that, Liam, like the last six weeks of the competition proper was an outstanding period for the game. You know, we had these, yep. these teams that just love getting ready to play finals football, just coming after, you know, all the leaders and it was really good. So, and the Sharks had sort of already sort of settled their position. They weren't involved in too many of those sort of clashes. Um, and therefore, they, they were able to secure second spot. But no one was really talking about, you know, if they were going to be really contributing in the finals because no one had really watched them against quality opposition. I mean, no one even really was talking about the two versus three game in the week one of the finals. Yeah. It was all about, <laughs> you know, the, obviously that Sunday special that we saw it was all about the Battle of the West. Um, and, and I think that's the danger for the Cowboys as well. We, we're going to see this week how conditioned they were when they come up against a, a Parramatta side that did a, a job on the Raiders. Just quickly, as we say goodbye to the Sharks for 2022, uh, Andrew Fafita, can the Storm, can Bellyache and, and the Purple Power work their magic 
and reports are that Andrew Fafita could land down south next year. Well, they've got some holes to fill and, um, you know, and they've spent a lot of their salary cap and they're trying to get Munster. So I think they need to be really smart with their recruitment. Now, I think what they're going to get is is a good human. Like from what I can gather from the way, you know, Craig Fitzgibbon now talks about Fafita and the development, especially off the field, I think he'd fit into their system. He'd bring a lot of energy. Um, you know, whether or not he can he can contribute on the field, I guess, leaves a fair bit to be, you know, like yeah. I, I couldn't, hard to, really hard to say, but they need to put some big bodies in some of those positions that, you know, the Bromwich boys are leaving, Kafusi's leaving and so mm. forth. So I don't know, he'd be, an, they wouldn't have to pay a lot for him and he could get down there and, and do a job for him. And I think the experience for him to go down there and play for the Storm for a season or two would probably be one that he'd never forget. So I think if, if, it, if they can make it work, I'd like to see it happen. All right, let's look ahead. Let's get stuck into these prelim finals. We've got two to rip into. Friday night, Queensland Country Bank Stadium in Townsville, the Cowboys taking on Parramatta. The Cowboys are the we're not meant to be here team. No, Be honest, Ryan. MG's been yeah. very upfront about this. He tipped them for the spoon. Where did you have the Cowboys yeah. finishing it at, at the start of the season? Yeah, it was, it was bottom four. Comfortably say I didn't didn't see this sort of turnaround happening at all. You know, I was one to say that I was I was critical of the purchase of uh, Chad Townsend, especially on the sort of money that he was given. I didn't see the value, and yeah, I'm one of those guys with egg all over my face. You know, but that's just what it is. Um, I saw what Chad was sort of up to at the back end of his time at the Sharks. There, then he went to the Warriors for a little bit. He looked all out of sorts. We actually had Chad on the Saturday show on the weekend, and he spoke to us about that transition period for him and said it was a really important phase that he went through. Um, and then what he's been able to achieve up there with those guys, especially young guys coming through like Drinkwater and Nanai and Co. Like so, the combination of you know, and, and that's that's the genius of Todd Payton. So he, you know, he knew what his roster looked like and he knew what they needed. And, and you know, we didn't sort of look back and like no one saw Nanai coming to, to contribute to that sort of level. No. And, and Drinkwater, you know, he started. It was you know he wasn't even going to be in there. So he started the first couple of games. I don't think he came into round three or four and then just not looked back because they were going to play. Uh, the hammer at the back there. So, yeah, just the way that everything's fallen into place for the Cowboys on the back of what was obviously a, a really tough and physical preseason. Um, yeah, again, had a, a decent run in, but the concern for the Cowboys is the last couple of times they've come down to Sydney and they've played the quality opposition who were in form and getting ready for finals, they've been convincingly beaten. The other talking point is you're talking about the players that have been involved in this surge up the ladder for the Cowboys. The other thing that I think needs mentioning is, and you talk about the genius of Todd Payton, at the start of last year and and even somewhat at the beginning of this season, there were people suggesting that either Jason Tamalola or Todd Payton had to go because the yeah. dynamic between the captain and the coach just was not working. And yet now we see Jason Tamalola, I won't say it is Dally M best because that season yeah. was just insane when he was crowned the game's best player, but he is back to that rampaging second rower that, yeah. that we that everybody you know yeah. that the Cowboys gave a 10-year deal to and, and, I, and I think it was just um, a case of Todd trying to get the best out of Jason and, and trying different ways to do that you know like there was talk about you know his 10-year contract and so forth and and trying to preserve him a little bit for the back end but then realizing well we need to get the best out of Jason now we can't preserve mm. him he's a guy that plays 70 minutes every week he's a guy that the light that you know the, the other players love to have around him and he's a He's a big game player. So um, they just, you know, there were some bumps and bruises in those relationships and they were two big personalities coming together and they needed to sort of find their way. But, 
you know, credit to Toddy Payton and the way that he's managed that relationship, how that happened internally and how he managed that externally as well because everyone had an opinion on it. But um, he certainly, you know, got the best out of that group and that performance by uh, Tom Malolo against the Sharks two weeks ago was absolutely phenomenal. Like you it was, know, he was at his absolute best. Yeah, it was, it was back to this this terrifying prospect that, you know, as I said, is the reason the Cowboys gave him that un, unheard of deal that they did. Yeah. But in yeah. a weird way, Gerds, I look at Friday night, Cowboys are at home. No one expected them to be there. It, this still feels like something of a free hit for them. I think all the pressure is on Parramatta going into this one. I, I still, like, we know what's what is meant to happen to their team next year with Reed Marnie headed to the Dogs and Isaiah Papali'i apparently headed to yeah. the West Tigers, although put that one yeah. with a question mark. But it's st- yeah. And Brad Arthur, it still feels like the pressure is on the Eels. Yeah, I mean, when you go into a prelim final, regardless of what the situation looks like around you, there is immense pressure because you're one game away from the grand final. So, you know, both sides will be taking an enormous amount of pressure from the media, from their fans, from themselves. I mean, expectations when you get to that point are we've come this far, you know, we, can, we, we can't fall over at this final hurdle. So I think Parramatta will go up there. Um, I mean, they're trying to talk down the fact that, um, you know, they've got a free shot and that the, 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 the Cowboys are going to be playing up at, in home soil in front of, you know, 40,000 fans and they're going to have, it's going to be 30 degrees and all those different conditions that they need to sort of deal with, the travel and so forth. But yeah, for mine, this is an opportunity that Parramatta, they need to take. They, 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 if you would have said to Parramatta at the start of the year, you know, we'll give you an opportunity to go up to North Queensland and, and beat the Cowboys in a prelim to make the grand final. You know, it, it's an opportunity that they've put themselves in. I believe, um, you know, we, we've been speaking a fair bit about conditioning. These guys, you know, they've had that, uh, that tough hit out a couple of weeks ago against Penrith where I thought they were still pretty good. But um, Penrith, you know, when they when they had that sort of issue with Moses and Penrith mm. got a little bit of a roll on it, you know, they sort of they went on with the job. But um, obviously they've had some really tough games at the back end of the season, that one against the Melbourne Storm and so forth. So these guys now, although I think they've won seven out of their last eight, so a lot of people were talking at the back end of the season about their drop in form and so forth. Look, they had a few games that, you know, they'd probably like to take back, but they scrambled into fourth. They did a really good job in week two of the finals. They were immense last week. It was, you know, when they when they dominate the middle and they set up their attacking structures, mate, there's not a better looking team uh, with the football than them. So um, it's a pretty simple game plan. You know, they, they're really good out of the backfield last week against the Raiders. They're offloads and Gutherson, the involvement of those key players who've just sort of got over that hurdle of being spoken about in that loss to Penrith where you know, they, people say they went missing and so forth. So, um, yeah, that, they'll, they'll be up and about and they'll go up there and I just think it's, a, it's an opportunity they cannot miss. They, they need to take this. It's been such a long time between drinks for them. Um, they might get, not get another opportunity, as you spoke uh, about earlier, given the changes that are coming to their team over the next couple of years. Is the prelim final week, more stressful for players than than grand final week, Gertz? Um, or is there a greater level of pressure? Do you did you feel more pressure heading into a prelim because it gets you into a grand final? And then when it's grand final, it's sort of like, well, we're there. Did you feel more pressure heading into prelims than you did the grand finals you played in? Yeah, I think because you get that, like we had that two-week break. So I think those sides that are sort of, that they've won in week one. So the Cowboys, for instance, 
you got a lot of time to think about it, you know, and that's, I think, the only advantage of really playing, you know, that week two is that you get to play another game of footy. Your, your focus isn't, you know, on that prelim final. So the Cowboys have been thinking about this game. They've been in the community. Everyone's been talking about them for a long period of time. So I think in that regard, the, the pressure is allowed to build. But, yeah, I mean, it, it also builds the excitement and, the, and you know, the anticipation and all those things. I mean, as you know, like in footy, this is the time of year. I can imagine what those Cowboys are, are experiencing walking the streets and that up there. I mean, the town would be an absolute buzz. <laughs> well, here's the – this is – you talk about the pressure and, and and look, amazingly, I feel like if Brad Arthur, if the Eels were to lose on Friday night, I feel like Brad Arthur's job would still be under threat in, in a weird, strange way. But this is okay. Eels captain Clint Gutherson speaking about the pressure that comes with playing for the Eels. Oh, there's all there, there always is with Parramatta. It doesn't matter what you're coming, how, you, how you're travelling. There's always going to be outside noise. And um, over the last eight years since I've been here, you just learn to de- deal with it and to be honest, you don't even really listen to it. It's um, you, you know what you're going to get out of the group and um, the players that are here, and, and that's all you're focused on. So, uh, look, we're just looking forward to the challenge to go up to Queensland and, and see what we can do. Yeah, there's one bloke who's conditioning you don't have to worry about. He is a, yeah, he's oh, a machine. Yeah. I feel they're ready, mate. You know, like, I mean, even though they don't have a lot of guys that, you know, reach great heights at representative level, and they probably don't have that one genuine superstar uh, like some of the other clubs and the Clearies and the Mitchells and so mm-hmm. forth with the Tedesco's. Um, but I just feel as a group, you know, when you look through the amount of um, first grade games that they've played and, you know, they just they feel like they're mature enough now, the way that they bounce back. I thought last week was a really big test for them coming up against a, a Raiders side that were in great form and, you know, been on a five or six game winning streak and with Parramatta and the criticism they copped and the, you know, the, the information that came out through the week that could have railroaded them and so forth. You know, they um, they just put it all together on the day and I think that just sort of showed everyone that they, they're they a mature footy side and um, I, I think they're ready to, to go to the grand final. Are you tipping? Yeah, I, I really think they're ready. I, I do and I think the Cowboys are just another side a little bit like the Sharks where it's all come really quickly for them. And I think probably over the next couple of years, their opportunity might come. But I think this year, um, they're not ready for a grand final win. We're recording this uh, a couple of hours before the team list come out. The expectation is that the Cowboys will name the same team that knocked off the Sharkies in week one. Uh, they should be 1-17. to 17. The only concern for the Eels is Tom Opacek, who left the field with that hamstring. So I'm sure that, they'll give him every opportunity because he's actually he's so important to their defensive structures. But Bailey yeah. Simonson's probably the the man who who steps up if if Opacek's injury isn't such that he can actually play on Friday night. Yeah, you'd have to think that Wonga Blake would then go. He's played a lot of time, uh, a lot of his career in the centre, so he probably mm. moves into the centre position and then uh, Simonson comes onto the wing and that, that allows him to maintain that sort of middle rotation with Nia Cora who's been starting for Madison because when Madison comes on, uh, the lift that he gives that side at around 20, 25 metres and then brings a whole other dimension. He sort of then comes on in that traditional 13 role where he can play before the line, he can play out the back and he's got a wonderful offload as well. And he's a really physical guy. So um, he's a guy that, you know, really makes a difference to how things are going and the, and, and the contest in general when he gets put in. So I wouldn't change that. That's worth do you wish? Fun. Do you wish you'd had Ryan Madison's uh, weights arms program back when you were playing? <laughs> yeah, mate. 
Yeah. What is like yeah. that is? Yeah. He's almost hit the point where carrying the football yeah. might be difficult with those with those arms. Just getting in the way. Like I mean, back in our era, Liam, if you're doing arm curls in the mirror, you know, you just get hammered. So no one worked on their arms, although Wendell found a way. But then these days it's all about it's all about the arms and, you know, the, the Instagram beach shots in the summer. So Mate, seriously, Ryan Madison must get his T shirts handmade because there is no way that you can uh, find sleeves that fit those things. They're they're terrifying. Yeah. Right up Saturday night, Acor Stadium. This is a this is going. You you've got the best team in the game going up against the team with the best player in the game right now. Latrell Mitchell has found another level, and the Panthers have been the best team in the comp for the last three seasons. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I mean, they played. Uh, I think it was in round twenty-three where Penrith you know, took on the the South Sydney side almost at full strength. I, from memory, I don't think Tom Burgess played that day either, and he's another big omission for him uh, on Saturday night. But um, but you know, Penrith didn't play Cleary. He was obviously suspended. They had no Luai and they had no Fisher Harris, and they still got the job done. So I think they take a little bit of confidence out of that performance against South Sydney. But it was close. So I think South Sydney was sort of leading that game in the seventy-fifth minute, and then it was a Liam Martin try late to get the job done for the Panthers. So it was a really good contest. And you could just tell at that point that um, I think there was a lot of questions being asked around South Sydney in the back end of their season. And were they, were they, you know, going to be contenders again this year? And I think after that game, everyone went away and said, okay, well, they're, they're certainly going to be in the mix. So yeah, they're, they're in, they're in good touch at the moment. They've obviously, you know, had, um, had two really, really impressive wins and, it's just whether or not, you know, they've been redlining now for about five or six weeks as well. They've had a couple of really big emotional clashes with the Roosters and they had that game last week at, at, against the Sharks and now come up against Penrith. So you just you just need to wonder at some point how much that's sort of taken out of the tank. And the concern is, is to, we, we spoke to uh, Isaiah Yeo uh, the other day and we are talking about, you know, I asked him to compare... 2021 to 2022, uh, you know, at the back end of their season going into finals and what the difference was. And he said last year they were basically just, um, they were just trying to get anyone that they possibly could to come in and help them train. And they couldn't, they couldn't do field sessions. They were, everyone was busted. And you could see with their performance last year, always said Penrith played a lot better at the start of the year than they did at the, at the end of the year. And they just willed their way to a premiership because I think they just thought over the, you know, those two or three dominant years that, They'd earned the right and no one was good enough. And I thought there was opportunities, especially for Parramatta and South in that grand final. If they were just a little bit better, they would have got the job done because I thought that Penrith were just hanging on and hanging on every finals game and they weren't attacked. Their attack was in all sorts and they weren't scoring lots of points. So, um, and Isaiah identified that in the interview. And then he said, but this year with, you know, the, the amount of time that we've had off and with absolutely no injuries other than I think Tyron May is the only one that Taylor May has an injury. Mm. Um, he said, we are just up and about. He said, everyone's training. We can't wait. And I think you saw that with that you know, performance against Parramatta. And, and I, I think the concern for South Sydney is, you know, Penrith, um, they're, 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 just, they're just so primed for this because they've been so able to prepare so diligently. And given, you know, I understand that South are in great form, but where Penrith are, I just feel like um, – 
I don't know. They're just going to be too hard to beat given their run-in and their situation they find themselves in. It's not unreasonable to say that Penrith are a level above every other team in the comp right now. And as you say, they've had the time off to prepare. They are um, fit, free, healthy. Taylor May is the only one that will miss because he's accepted that that high – the the punishment for the high shot on Will Penasini. But – on the other side, you got a Panthers, a Rabbitohs outfit that Alex Johnston has declared himself touch and go. He's got a hip flexor concern. Uh, Havili didn't finish with a calf uh, after the game against uh, last weekend. Jai Arrow failed to finish. There are some serious health concerns going into this game for the Bunnies. Um, and, and if they were going in against any other team, you'd say, look, it's finals, nobody's fully fit. But they're going up against the Penrith Panthers side that, as you just outlined, are fit, they are flying, and they're absolutely primed for this. If you if you had to argue, and I know you'll be tipping the Panthers, but if you had to argue a way the Bunnies could win this game. Well, I, I think I think they've got to get under Penrith's skin. I, I think um, the best, the, the way South City win football games and when they play their best is, I mean, they, they, they didn't need to do it so much last week against Cronulla because I thought they, they understood they were in control of that the whole time. But when the South guys feel like, um, they're, they're sort of being dominated. They start getting a little bit upset, and I think they do that intentionally, and they get emotional because then they they like a stop-start affair. They like the drama because, you know, they, they're the best team in the, in the, I think, the competition to work off set pieces. They like penalties. They like the stop-start. It gives all their boys a bit of a breather. Um, so I think what they need to do is go out there and, and, and I, I, if I'm the coach of Penance, I'm saying make sure you keep your heads and you, and you don't get... You don't get caught up in the emotion of the contest, even though it's a even though it's a prelim final. You, you know when Cody gets upset and 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 Latrell gets upset, what you need to do is not you know not try and make it too personal, yeah. Because I don't think it's in Penrith's best interest to go out there and make it personal with those guys this week. They need to be really professional, it's sort of like how the Roosters went about that first game at Allianz a couple of weeks ago, where they completed really high. They kick, their kick chase on Latrell was great. They gave them no penalties coming out of their own end. Um, and then those two guys, Latrell and Cody, never really got into the contest. That's how Penrith need to play. Is that if South can upset their rhythm and make it a bit personal and get under their skin, then I think that's their best chance of causing an upset. All right, good. So you're tipping a Panthers-Parramatta grand final. Is that what we can say? Yeah, it's fair to say that, Liam. <sighs> tell you what, that will be yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> could, could you imagine? Yeah, I mean... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I got to play in a, in a fair few um, derbies um, and we played in one in uh, might have been the early 2000s at, at Parramatta Stadium back then. And, yeah, it's like any of those sort of local derbies. I mean, it, it just provides something else. And there's such a – there's such a, a – um, they hold so much pride in between, you know, some of those areas that cross over in Parramatta Penrith of, you know, who they support and, and who's the dominant team in that period and – uh, it will be fever pitch. It will be scenes that you haven't. I, I, you know, I, it's obviously never happened before. Had a grand final between those two sides, but um, you know what a special week that would be for all the people out there in the in the Golden West. Yeah, but but not even that. I just I I love it from the narrative perspective because that matchup in particular. I, I think those two teams have been responsible for the best regular season games that we've seen in the last two years. Their, yeah, their regular sure. season matchups have been incredible. The, the Eels yeah. have seemingly been the only side consistently that can match it and rise to the occasion when they take on the Panthers. But then there's also yeah. all the departures. I mean, kick out, 
off to the Bulldogs next year. Camp Serraldo parting ways with this club, this the new yeah. uh, super coach headed to the Dogs. And then you've got Reid Marnie and Isaiah Papali'i and can Brad Arthur finally be the coach? Imagine if Brad Arthur, the coach who has been seemingly under pressure as the Eels coach for his entire tenure, is the bloke yeah. who finally ends the premiership drought. Yeah, it'd be an incredible story, wouldn't it? Like an absolutely incredible story. And and it's quite possible. You know, you spoke about those two meetings that they had earlier on in the year. They were great games and Parramatta found a way just to get the job done. And even the other night, you know, when they were convincingly beaten in the end, but while Mitchell Moses was on there and it was at Penrith Park. So, you know, they went with Penrith for 50 or 60 minutes and then things started to fall away. The good thing about, I think, last week's performance against the Raiders was also that that game was won in 20 minutes. So sometimes you have those elimination finals that are just really intense and everyone comes out of it battered and bruised. Now, I think Parramatta come out of that one pretty good. They were all, um, there wasn't too many injuries to speak of. We're talking about South Sydney and, you know, how wounded they are going into this, but, you know, no one's really talking about any of that with Parramatta. So I'm thinking that they're pretty fresh. They had the queue in the rack last week. Um, and, yeah, if they can get through, you know, relatively unscathed with all their key men uh, and with a good win this week up in there in North Queensland, I mean, there's absolutely no reason why they couldn't pull off a grand final win this year. And if they did, I guess we'd all have to re-examine what we thought of nepotism. I mean, we just might have to re-examine the whole concept. Well, well look, I, I've always found it a little bit strange. Um, I mean, Parramatta were the only team last week to go into that final series without cover for a nine. I mean, I think Jake can sometimes uh, play nine if he has to, mm. but generally, you know, every other team went in with cover for the nine. Now, for mine, um, why you take a genuine half on the bench, I don't see the value in it, to be honest. Like, I would I would have um, Bryce Cartwright potentially on the bench, a guy that if you get an injury to Mitchell Moses, Dylan Brown goes into seven, Cartwright comes on in six, mm-hmm. you know, or a center, they had, or um, a second row. Yep. Yeah, he's a bit, well, yeah, he's got some some versatility there. But you know, they had Ray Stone, who was sort of filling that that sort of nine middle forward, that sort of um, Brandon Smith role early on in the year. He obviously got injured, and they've sort of played around with a few um, different options. Mitch Rain, from memory, was there a little bit, but he hasn't got a run. So look, it's an interesting one. I, I don't believe. You know, Jake's on the bench because, you know, his father's the coach. No, I believe he's on there because he's, he's earned the right to be on there. And I think nepotism in relation to junior reps, I think you could go to any sport and any club and I think you would see, you know, parents with agendas in positions making decisions, you know. I mean, how serious was it? I, I don't know. But one thing I do know is um, it certainly didn't affect their performance last week. Fair warning to any uh junior kid sport team that I'm ever involved with, I'm going to give my kids preferential treatment. Just, I'm going to lay it out there now, all right? I'm just telling everybody now. You you just have to do it. You know, they've just got to to be in the side. They've generally got to be the goal kicker, regardless of their skill set. Mm -hmm. And you can even make them captain if you want to go all the way. Absolutely. Absolutely, and I'm gonna I'm gonna force force the kids to vote for them in the players player award. You know, like I'm gonna for, I'm, go. I'm gonna do every it. week. Is, what a coincidence! Yeah, Max good won luck, it again. Good luck to good luck to any of those other kids if you think you're getting the Macca's voucher after the game. Mike <laughs> is gonna get it every week. Um, okay, so we're tipping a Western Sydney derby in the grand final. Wouldn't that be unbelievable? But having said that, if it's the Rabbitohs or the Cowboys, either way, um, we are set yeah. for an absolute belt. We've got four really good teams in the prelims this week. 
Before yeah, we finish yeah. up, Gerds, I do want to take something away. Uh, I want to go off the field for a moment. Let me just play this little bit of audio. Now, this is um, the fastest rising star in radio, Aaron Woods, who uh, is really career-proofing himself for when the axe inevitably comes on his NRL career because he is, uh, he is starting to become the bloke. He's a bit like Gal, actually, who late in his playing career, unafraid to just speak his mind on, on issues in the world of rugby league. Here's what he had to say on the idea of Matt Lodge stepping into the ring with Paul Gallon. Everyone in Australia wants to see Lodge's head gets punched in. <laughs> why? Well, we know why. He's had a, a few indiscretions in the past. You know, he comes across and tries to be a big, tough bloke on the field. He hid behind Hargraves all year, you know. So, <laughs> oh, wow. So, so this is his opportunity to finally stand up and try to be a toughie. Gal's always the villain. Yeah. This could be, and this is, I think it's supposed to be Gal's last fight. Yeah. So we could all be behind Gal for once to see Lodgy get his head punched in. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, I mean, is there talk of that? Is there? Is there? Is, so is, well, what's what's happened? I mean, Gao, Gao, I've got to admit, and I'm not surprised Gao won against Hojo and Hannah the other week, but Gao's looking yeah. tired. He's looking yeah, he tired. And I think yeah. he's looking for one last hurrah. Uh, I think Lodger said he'll donate all the any money to charity. I think he, it's <laughs> you're, you're talking about one of the great PR offences that's ever been launched yeah. by a player who, frankly, his brand might yeah. might be unsavable, really. But yeah, there is yeah. suggestion that Gao and Logie could jump in up in the ring together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, the fact that that Matt Lodge wasn't, you know, wasn't selected in the um, Prime Minister's thirteen the other day, I thought I thought that was ludicrous, to be honest, given mm. you know the form that he that he's Very been good. in and. And uh, and we we've, we've spoken about this a few on a few times on air, and I'm I'm a big advocate for wearing the green and gold can't be just based on form. You know, you need to bring other things to the table when you're included in that side, and um, it's a leg, it's it's a jersey that's actually never yours. You just use it for a moment, and and, and I think the fact that um, you know he has had a few indiscretions has sort of set, held him back to a point. But I mean, at what point do we let that go? He's been now at a couple of different clubs. Um, he seems to be uh, on, a, on a much better path and it's going to be interesting to see whether or not he does come into some sort of discussion when, mm. uh, given the fact that we're losing so many of our front rowers to uh, going back to play for their Polynesian Pacific Island countries. I, I mean, he's got to come into discussion at some point. Yeah, no, and, and I'm sure he will. But at the same time, I think the idea of uh, at what point do we let it all go, I think, you know, to an extent, we have let it go because he's back playing first grade rugby league. He got the opportunity with the Broncos. He got the opportunity with the Warriors. He's now at the Roosters. He's he's being paid well again. It's not like he's been. Yeah. He was he was punished at the time. He's he's paid his penance. And and the reality is, when you do stuff, people don't forget. You know, reputations That's are true. forged, yeah. and reputation takes a lifetime to build and a, and a moment to ruin. So. Um, I don't think I don't personally think Matt Lodge will be crying into his cornflakes about you know, the way he's still being perceived. I think he's probably come to terms nah. with, with, with his lot in, in rugby league life anyway. So, um, but I mean, look, I'll, as, as with any Gow fight, I'd love to see it. I'd love to yeah, see it. Gow yeah, is yeah. one of the great salesmen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it'd be highly entertaining. Let's hope it happens. All right. Uh, now what, uh, what are you on duty for Triple M NRL this week? Um, heading up North to, it'll be my Ooh. first venture out to the, uh, is that my watch? That's, I got a watch the alarm. on my <laughs> birthday. This is good. Oh, we should say a belated happy birthday to you, Ryan Girdler. You entered, uh, you you completed your fifth decade. You're now a 50-year-old. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
the less we speak about that, the better. Like, it's a little bit, I'm feeling pretty good, but it's a little bit confronting, to be honest. But I got a nice watch yesterday that the girls bought me. So that was the alarm. So that worked. Right. But, um, yeah, I'm up to, telling North, you to wrap it up. Up, up, to, up, to, up to North Queensland, mate, and then, um, yeah, do the show on Saturday and see what happens. Sorted out the drink vouchers for the Mad Cow? I th- Yeah, I think we've got a, a few irons in the fire with some. Apparently the Mad Cow's not actually the place to go anymore for for gentlemen our age. So there'll be some other places that are a little bit probably more distinguished <laughs> where we end up. You know what Charlie's like. Well, producer Charlie could still go to the Mad Cow, but you might have to go yeah, to the uh, – you might have to go to the the RSL down the road. Oh, I don't know if we're going that far, but there's a couple of other bars up there that I was talking to Chad Townsend about. It was on the show on Saturday, and he said, "Mate, yes. he's going to give me the places to to go and have a look." So that'll be. Can fun. you believe? Did you ever think this would be how we would end the 2022 season with Ryan Girdler calling Chad Townsend the new king of Townsville and getting and getting advice on where they should go after the Cowboys? Playing a prelim against Parramatta. You just whenever you go, whenever you go to North Queensland, Liam, I've learned through experience you always need to be prepared. You've always got to. It used to be you've always got to pack the dress shoes underneath the boots, <laughs> and you've got to make sure you win so you yep. get to use them. Because back in the day, mate, you know your dress shoes weren't your joggers. Your dress shoes were your, your black dress shoes that went with your jeans and your shirt and so forth. It was a lot more formal back then. So you used to have to hide them in the bag so no one would see them. Uh, in the hotel or in the game, and then all of a sudden everyone had come out all dressed up thinking, oh, well, what a coincidence. We've got our gear on. We may as well go out and use it, right? You have never, sounded, you have never sounded older, Ryan Girdler. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, happy birthday from uh, from me, but Thank also you, from everybody uh, within the uh, MG's Rugby League Rundown community. Thank you for jumping in in place of the Wild Panther. Enjoy this weekend, and uh, here's hoping yeah. we are preparing for our Western Sydney derby next week. Love to see it. Thanks for having me, Liam. Triple M rocks the NRL 24-7 through the Triple M app. Thanks to Ream. Steady, hot and strong. Install a Ream.